In 2010, the percentage of Black or African-American mental health counselors was 15.59%. In 2021, the rate dropped to 11.28%. Between 2019 and 2021, there was a decline in white mental health counselors, with the most significant reduction occurring in white men from 40.14% in 2010 to 31.36% in 2021. That's almost a 10 plus percent difference. I can only speculate um, as to why that is as a Black woman, but I will wait for any sort of statistical reports before I share my opinion on that. Or maybe I'll wait until another podcast episode. Who knows? But just know that I will cover this a little later. So if 69% of counselors are women, yet the total percentage of all Black or African-American counselors is 11.28% as of 2021, why didn't I make it my business to get a traditional psychology doctorate? Well, that's a great question. Keep listening to find out. See you inside the episode. Welcome to the Happy Executive Woman Podcast. Coach Anita Charlo will cover a variety of topics, such as personal, professional, and corporate relationships, diversity, equity, and inclusion, energy, metaphysics, corporate relationship responsibility, and spirituality in the workplace. Be sure not to miss the Candid Conversation with Phenomenal Women episodes, where Anita interviews women leaders in their field about their challenges, triumphs, and ways in which they make their happiness a priority in both business and in love. And now, here's your host, executive coach, author, speaker, and corporate metaphysician, Anita Charlo. I started college in 1983 with the original goal of studying computer science, not because I wanted to, but because my mother thought it would be the career that would pay the most money. And while she had a point, and even though I excelled in my computer classes, they just didn't do it for me. Since I am truly an introvert at heart, I know probably hard for you to believe, but it's true. One would suspect that sitting behind a terminal all day and coding would be heaven for me. But as much as I love my quiet time and working from home, the human element was missing. I then moved on to accounting. Well, as men on film so eloquently stated on In Living Color, hated it. Since I wanted to touch on the human element, I started taking psychology courses. Having been the friend that others came to when they had problems that they couldn't figure out how to fix, it seemed only natural until it didn't. Well, while I understood the theory in those classes, Psych 101, Child-Adolescent Psychology, and a few others, I couldn't see how it applied to my Black-lived experience. Now, don't get me wrong, some things resonated. However, the Black experience was either misrepresented, totally excluded, or completely wrong. As we were doing our research, we were told to use the DSM version 3 at the time, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. While searching through this manual and reading the definitions and diagnoses, I felt compelled to argue its validity, 
given that it had not considered any of what I know, what I now know as urban trauma. So to me, it was missing the soul of an entire race of people. And I could not see myself being governed by an organization that could make or break my career if I strayed too far away from the rule book. How could I? Knowing that there was a strong possibility that the diagnosis I will be forced to give to fit into the system will be incorrect and could follow a person around for years. Add in the fact that Black people shied away from going to therapy as we were taught what happens in our house stays in our house. And don't you go telling them white people about our Black problems. And I couldn't in good faith subscribe to a rule book that didn't take into account the experience of urban Black folk like me. Do I believe that the mental health field and the DSM are instrumental in diagnosing mental health disorders? Absolutely. I also think that there are things that a potential client should work on with a licensed therapist and other things that fall outside of traditional therapy. Well, that's where I come in. And here's how it works. Before assigning a client, we have a discovery session. During this session, the client shares with me where they are, why they reached out to me, what they want to accomplish by the end of our time together, whether or not they have worked with a coach or therapist before, and what their experiences were like with them. After taking them through my proprietary discovery session questions, I assess whether I can assist them on their journey, if I will recommend that they see a licensed therapist, or if they will be better served by having a care team. What is a care team, you ask? Here, I'll explain it to you. This team could consist of a combination of more than one type of support, a licensed therapist, a somatic experience practitioner, me as their coach, or other traditional and metaphysical practitioners as needed. You see, each person is unique and their healing plan should also be unique. There is no one size fits all. So if you've been following me for a while and listening to the podcast, you may recall when I shared with you in 2020 how I had an entire care team. I had 2.5 people working with me. At the time, I was taking a movement-based resilience trauma-informed yoga training class. So basically, this class was teaching me how to use yoga to help people um, not only move through their trauma, but to recognize the difference in how these people needed to be handled. And by handled, I mean the difference between or understanding the effect of how certain music may trigger some people, the name of certain positions may trigger people, the smells in the room may trigger people, how to correct a person's posture or positioning without touching them so that you don't trigger people. But this was a course that I took for myself and learning all about the different types of trauma and things like that opened up something in me that I did not expect. I recognized during that time as I was really pouring myself into this work so that I can be more present and be there for my clients to help them out, I ended up peeling off the band-aid of the trauma that I had suffered throughout my life. In order to grow through that, the point five was my my teacher from this particular class. And then I had a talk therapist and I had a somatic experience practitioner. It took all three of those or 2.5 of those individuals to help me grow through what I needed to grow through so that I could be 
fully present and available for my clients. So when I say each person is unique and that there is a healing plan that should also be unique, my ability to understand where people are when they come to me and to help them grow through that, help them create a plan and and decide who should be on their team is something that I, uh, that's really near and dear to my heart and something that I'm good at. Since turning down the traditional psychology path over 40 years ago and obtaining my bachelor's in metaphysics instead, I have since become aware of several additional psychological therapeutic techniques um, that I see as a complement to traditional psychology. There are different therapeutic techniques such as cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, play therapy, sand tray therapy, art therapy, dance therapy, eye movement, desuscitation and reprocessing, there's somatic therapy, and there this these are just a few of them. And understanding the differences between them and which techniques will help a person grow through the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual trauma, limiting behaviors, and negative thought patterns are valuable when working with clients. These additional techniques allow the therapist to tap into the whole person, understanding that each person is different. So helping potential clients identify who would be best to partner with for their overall success and that takes their insurance is one of the benefits of working with me. Will I ever go back and get a traditional psychology degree? At this time, I have to say no. However, I am currently working on my doctorate in metaphysical psychology which allows me to go deeper into the spirit of my clients and how they connect with the world through their minds, body, and souls. Working with people on the soul level speaks most to my heart. Believe it or not, being able to read people's energy and see behind the mask they show everyone else has been my biggest asset while working in corporate America. It's an uncanny skill, often unnerving, particularly for the insecure, that I started to develop as a child, honed in the military, perfected through my coaching business and practiced in corporate America. So is it possible to heal corporate America during my lifetime? Probably not, but I can bring awareness to the issues, help begin the healing process for as many women as possible and work with companies and organizations that recognize that they have blind spots or their leadership has blind spots, conscious and unconscious biases, and genuinely want to put their money where their policies are to do something about it. I can be the voice of consciousness in as many companies and on as many stages as possible, using over 30 years of experience in coaching personal and professional relationships and practicing metaphysics. Someone has to be willing to go beneath the surface with conscious conversations, books, workshops, keynotes, speeches, podcasts, interviews, and whatever it takes so that Black women finally feel seen, heard, understood, honored, appreciated, and protected in the workplace. And in case you are wondering how they tie together, the Metaphysical Psychology Doctorate is a theology degree coupled with the Bachelor of Science and Business Administration focused on operations, has created a path that allows me to incorporate logic, theory, intuition, my entrepreneurial spirit, and the human element into helping clients businesses, and organizations run smoothly, consciously. So if you are a Black woman needing healing, you can message me directly 
and I'd be happy to share how we can partner together on your path to long-lasting transformational healing. And if you are interested in where I got the statistics from in the beginning of this podcast, you can go to the show notes and you will find the link there. You will also find information for upcoming speaking engagements. As I am recording this on 2.14, I'm actually headed to Miami tomorrow. I am creating or presenting, I've already created, presenting a masterclass on how to help Black and Brown women heal from corporate trauma. And I am a panelist on magnifying mental wealth for the Flourish Media Conference, which is being held in Miami 217 and 21823. And I know by the time you probably hear this, I will already be in Miami. You can um, go to my LinkedIn page, or you can also go to the link in the show notes if you want to purchase virtual tickets to be present. Um, also, I am a keynote speaker for the Institute of Real Estate Management here in Chicago. Actually, it's in Oak Brook. Um, on March 31st. And you do not have to be a member of IRAM to participate or to attend. You can purchase your tickets online and the link for that will be in the show notes as well. In this keynote speech, the topic is conscious, transformative versus performative DEI programs and how they impact your employees. So I am all about peeling back the layers and digging beneath the surface and uncovering the things that at times will make people uncomfortable, but if what you say is true and you really want to make a difference and you really want to be an ally, you need to understand that it's going to take more than just uh, creating policies and talking a good game. You're going to need to show up and do the work. With that, I want to thank you for listening. Be sure to uh, download the show notes. Be sure to share this podcast with anyone in your network that you feel could benefit from learning or understanding this information. And I will see you in the next episode. 